Hi, welcome to Dreams Recycle podcast, where we talk to amazing guests about um, recycling your life in many positive ways. Today, we have Travis Barton, who he doesn't know this was actually one of my first uh, bloggers that I invited to come blog for us on Dreams Recycled. And I've always been very grateful to him. He's got a very generous spirit, great story, and he's a uh, one of those cool life coach, life and business coaches that travels the world being fabulous and looking good, quite frankly. <laughs> Welcome, Travis. Being fabulous and looking good. You know, I've been on a handful of podcasts and uh, that was the first introduction I've had. Fabulous and looking good. I will take it and I will have to say you made my morning so far. <laughs> Well, welcome. No, you've got a great spirit. You've got a great story. So, so we deal with, as you know, on Dreams Recycled, we deal with divorcees. People don't like to talk about divorce. It's like, you know, the stepchild of the adversities. We tend to kind of want to blame somebody for this kind of adversity. But at the end of the day, after we get divorced, we're all stuck dealing with the same situation. And, um, and it's all about how you deal with it. So, so as a life coach, how would you um, kind of advise people to deal with life's adversities, whether it's divorce or job loss or illness or, or anything else that you've had to deal with or heard other people deal with? You're jumping right into it. I love it. Okay, we're going <laughs> to the heavy stuff right away. This is great. Um, you know, I've never been married, so uh, thus I, would, I have never been divorced. But I have been in the position, as, as most of us and, and, and probably everybody listening, uh, of painful heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And uh, painful heartbreak, as we all know, is, is, is uh, <laughs> in the midst of it, it seems to be the darkest despair that can, one can go through. I've talked to you, uh, mm -hmm. and I remember you telling me your story and, and, and how difficult it was uh, for you experiencing that. Um, it was a situation in my own life. I remember just being completely just down. Just, you know, the skies just seems, we've all been there. The sky seems a little less bright. You can't really yes. enjoy things and be present uh, and, and have fun and, and enjoy life. And, and it was difficult. And I remember this very vividly. And I was perpetuating more of that depression mm. by, by wallowing in it. And I, I, you know, it was, it was, it became, it, what scared me and woke me up is it became very comfortable, I realized in my life to be miserable about it. No, uh, it was, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, it is like, it is like a comforting, horrible, depressing habit. Um, I talk about it in my book. I mean, I think I didn't get out of bed for like eight months. It was, yeah. it was really, really dismal. And, and I think you're right. I think we kind of hang our hat on that pain and be like, oh, well, it's very painful. It's very distressing. But a little tiny part of us quite, is quite enjoying it for whatever reason that is. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's something that my clients would never, <laughs> it takes a bit for, to get them to admit it. But yeah, and I'll call them out. You're enjoying a part of this. There's mm -hmm. something here that you feel comfortable because, and I'll tell you why. It's because it's easier to blame somebody else for why you're in this position than it is to take responsibility for why you're at it. And that's to answer your question is such a big part of the change process is right. is to quit. You've got it. No matter how much of an asshole this guy was or, or how, how much mm -hmm. of a terrible person this, this woman was in your life, 
instead of placing the blame constantly, it's their fault I'm in this position. It's their fault I'm sad. Why can't they change? Instead of placing all that blame, mm. take responsibility, some responsibility. Um, well, you have to, right? Because I've, I've noticed, I've talked to over 6,000 divorcees. Like, I think I need a medal. Can I have a medal, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a medal, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that originally when I started doing what I do, I would feel sorry for everyone. I would like sympathize and empathize. But as I've continued to do it, and you probably see this in your business, that obviously in any breakup of every relationship, two people are to blame well maybe one more so than the other but you both played your part in it you both agreed to marry each other you both agreed to have a relationship together and and if it was something you know like a lot of people will come to me and say somebody cheated on them and this this destroyed their marriage and their relationship but i tell them all the time you know if you look at it even deeper than that there's a reason they were cheating. Not that I'm exonerating them or saying that it was sure. acceptable, but there's all kinds of dynamics between two even very decent, you know, people that when they come together, they have some kind of dynamic that doesn't play out well or doesn't end well. And we sure. all have to accept blame for that part. Sure. And, and, and it is just shifting from complete 100% blame. Yeah, and there's two people involved in a relationship that there's a reason it didn't work out. It might be one person's issue more than the others, but mm -hmm. to shift that mindset of powerlessness and placing blame, there's, when you're placing blame your whole life and going through a, a heartbreak, Mm -hmm. you're going to be in bed for eight months. I was in bed. I was getting up at four in the afternoon. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't function because I was placing blame. But placing blame is completely, you're powerless to do anything about it, right? Mm -hmm. But the minute you take responsibility, you're completely powerful. There's something you can do about it. So there's yeah, this beautiful I love that. thing. Instead of being powerless, be powerful. Then sure. that's and there's, there's this incredible thing that happens when you choose to take responsibility and you choose to stand in your own power. Mm -hmm. And you can start to see this kind of interesting thing that's very difficult to see right after a breakup or, or a divorce or, or somebody cheating on you or any, anything like that. Mm -hmm. But you can start to see, you know what? how can I become better as a result of this? How can I completely stand in my power and just own who I am and become so, such an extraordinary woman that the next guy's just not going to want to let me leave? What did I learn from this relationship that's mm -hmm. going to make me even better as a result? And you can start picking up the pieces and putting yourself back together, but not just put yourself back together, become even more extraordinary than you ever even thought possible. And I'll tell you, when we're at our lowest, that's when we have the most potential to become our greatest. Because right. we more emotional leverage to do it. I agree. I talk about in my book, using adversity as a springboard to greatness. I think this is what people um, don't understand, that as, as far as anything drags you down, it raises you up. And if you, if you accept that kind of change in adversity in your life and use it for good, then you will be a much better version of yourself than you ever even thought you could be if you had never had any kind of adversity in your life. I actually truly believe that. And that's what happened to me. I would never in a million years <laughs> have thought I'd be a women, woman in tech or a CEO yeah. or anything that I'd be right. a best-selling author, a podcaster. I would have been a stay-at-home mom forever. That's what I would have done. And I would have thought that that was all I had the power to be. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And I think that's such a beautiful lesson that 
when we're in the midst of that pain, it's very, they're very, you know, again, I've been there. It's very difficult to listen to, but if it's not, I don't care what you say. I don't care. It's not your circumstances that are going to define you. It's not the divorce that's going to define you. It's not your heartbreak that's going to define you, but it is how you choose to respond to those circumstances that does define you and your life. It's, it's, it's how, how far you choose to go as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Is it going to define you or are you going to use it as a catalyst for something greater? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I love the message you put out there. I mean, let's talk about something I think that you know a lot about. How um, after divorce, I am a big believer that divorce is kind of like getting a redo button, a reset button, mm-hmm. kind of a blank slate to start again. And I am a big proponent on advising people to find your passion. <laughs> that's, that's your alley, right, Travis? <laughs> yes, certainly. Yes. Uh, well, just much like you finding passion, going through divorce, I, I, you know, I actually have worked with and am currently working with people who are going through heartbreak themselves. <laughs> and one of my biggest proponents is live on fire, live on fire. And that, you know, is find your passion and be engaged in it. Which is not easy for us all to do, right? Because we, we often don't understand that you can make money doing almost anything, right? You can be happy doing quite a few things. But if you really work hard and you figure out what your passion is, you most likely can turn this into a business or, uh, you know, something else positive. I mean, that's obviously your passion is helping people. I know you enough to know that. (laughs) Certainly. Um, Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who is floundering on what their passion is? Like, how do they take positive steps to really figure out what that is? Yeah, that's what I do best. I mean, that's the foundation of why I even started coaching in the first place. Um, See, a lot of people, what they do is they say, I want to find my purpose or I want to find my passion. Uh, But what they do is they read, you know, they read tons of books on it and Mm -hmm. they put the book back in the bookshelf and it collects dust. And what they do is they daydream about what they're passionate about and that's it. They dream about it. They don't do it. So yeah. the, the secret, it's not much of a secret. It's not just to read about your passions. It's not just to be, to watch movies on, on what you're interested in. It's to be physically engaged in what these passions and interests are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might not be your deep passion, you know, but it, it is being engaged in your interest and, and constantly pursuing what you're interested in, in, in a very real level in life to be engaged in the world. And through that, we can better identify what it is that really like lights us up, you know, without hitting that snooze button over and over and getting out of bed and going, man, I'm just so fired up on doing this mm. and really just identifying what that is. That's the first question in discovering purpose. Even what I, the most important question too is what am I passionate about? What really lights me up? And then after that, we can kind of reconcile how we can figure out a way to make money doing it or start a business doing yeah. it, or whatever it is. But that's, that comes way later on down the road. First it is. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you're passionate about, be engaged in it, do it. And especially the people that, that you talk with dealing with heartbreak and divorce, mm-hmm. find, you know, we, we're so used to a lot of these people that I work with, you know, our lives have been dictated by, by somebody else. We're doing what kind of makes somebody else happy. Now we're in this beautiful right. position to be open and go, wow, what, do, what makes me come alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. go do that. No, and I have to say, I mean, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot on Dreams Recycled, that um, unfortunately, a lot of marriages, even somewhat healthy ones, are constrictive. 
we compromise, we give up doing things because we're busy with our children, our spouses, our extended families, our jobs. And we lose sight of the things that really, you know, like you say, light you, light you up, right? Mm-hmm. That, and, um, and so divorce, either you can reconnect with the things that you know previously made you very happy and redo those. But I also talk to a lot of people who actually don't even know what their passion is. They've never had the opportunity. They've gone from date, you know, got being in high school to dating somebody to being married for two decades. And they kind of come out of this marriage and they don't even know themselves. And, um, and I actually, it, I talk about this in my book as well. I went on this date and this is a true story. One of my 400 dates of shame that I've been on. 400 so, dates of shame. I hope that's a book in and of itself. <laughs> okay. That don't really, but, um, <laughs> I exaggerate by the way, podcast readers, I haven't really been on 400 dates. It just seems like 400. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the bad ones can drag. I've been there. I know. Yeah. Well, they can't for like 20 each, right? But one bad one is 20 bad ones. Right. Um, but I remember at the very beginning of my divorce, I went on this date with this lovely man who I'm still friends with, actually. And, uh, and we sat there and he said, he said, Tiffany, what do you like to do? Such a simple question, right? Most, most normal people can answer that unless you're a divorcee and then it becomes very difficult. And so I answered that and I said, you know, my daughter and I, we like to go to concerts or theater. My sons and I, we like to go boogie boarding. We like to do this. We all like to, you know, I like to watch my children play soccer, whatever it was. And at the end of it, he just like looked at me and shook his head and he was like, you realize you didn't tell me what you like to do. Not what your kids like to do. What do you like to do? And I just sat there like dumbfounded and had like tears in my eyes. Like I didn't know. I had no idea. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Because I spent 15 years making everyone else happy. You know, what does everyone else want to eat? Where does everyone else want to go? Where does everyone else want to do? And I think unfortunately a lot of marriages turn into that. And, um, And so it's something that I really didn't know how to do. And so going back to you, so if, if you were me then, like I figured it out by myself, but like pretend I haven't, what would you tell me on how I, how I physically figured out what I wanted to do? Well, I'm interested in to hear how you did it, first of all, <laughs> how you figured out your passion. I would have, I'd probably guess that you pursued kind of interests. Um, I'm sure you were interested yeah. in podcasting. You weren't sure if you're passionate about it, but so you did it. I'm sure you were interested in starting this website. Mm-hmm. So you did it. Yeah. You're, you're kind of actively engaged in doing it. But there, there's themes running throughout your life. Um, if we were to go back as a child, what were you interested mm-hmm. in? What were you Well, like you, about? helping people, right? Mm-hmm. I've always liked to help people. I've always tried to volunteer. I've always... You know, I'm not, I would never want to be an actual real teacher because that's too many children for too long every day or week. God bless all that. But I've always liked helping people. I think, I think there's a big reward personally to, you know, feel like you're doing something good and worthwhile. Um, Mm -hmm. But what what I think I did on a practical level was partly the 400 dates I went on. And I don't mean like I wasn't out there, you know, trying to party or do God knows what. But what I was doing is I was, I was um, exposing myself to as many different situations, places, people as I could, and almost like interviewing them about their life. You know, what do you do? What does that look like? What kind of lifestyle do you have by doing that? Um, I became like a, you know, 
Barbara Walters of the dating. um, But I think that's true. I think you can't obviously find yourself if you sit on your sofa every night and watch TV. This isn't finding yourself. This is watching other people do stuff. Yep. So you were engaged in one way or another. Uh, you're connecting with different people. And so it, it wasn't, see, this prevents a lot of people from going out and, and pursuing anything. He said this ridiculous thing. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Well, how the, how the hell are you going to know unless yeah. you go do it? You know, you, you, yeah. have, you have to physically be out there and do it. If you say, well, I've always wanted to go snowboarding, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Well, how are you ever going to know if you're going to like it unless, unless you go for it? And maybe you well, won't, but you're yeah. going to learn something. Well, you will learn something, right? And if you don't learn, and even if you learn you don't like it, that's still worth doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and you right? know what? Maybe, maybe you learn you don't like it. Yeah. So and at least at the end of the day, you got a great story to tell. But even <laughs> if you don't like it, maybe you learn something else. Maybe that engagement is going to lead you somewhere else where mm-hmm. you go, ooh, I'm interested in that. So maybe you're going to meet somebody on the slopes. Maybe yeah. there's a part about snowboarding that you like. Maybe you don't like snowboarding, but you enjoy the snow. There's a million different branches from that one single from that one single branch, million mm. different, that could lead to something ex- extraordinary. Well, it's true, right? And I think, I think when we get out of relationships, we forget how big this world is. I constantly remind people there are 7 billion people on this planet. Yeah. No one person should control your happiness or your future. There are 206 countries to visit. There are a million different foods. There are you know, a billion different places to go see. You would never run out of, I mean, no one person could ever see everything the world has to offer, clearly. Um, and so I feel like the more, like you said, you go out and you actually do, instead of think about it or, you know, talk about it, actually get up and do it. What a beautiful adventure it is to be newly single. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it really, I mean, what a, and a really, little bit horrifying. Uh, sure, sure. But, but a, a great adventure, kind of a really great adventure, at least worth telling or writing about, has mm-hmm. that element of kind of fear. Uh, but, but just, you know, if you choose to see it in that regard, if you choose to see it as a great adventure, it can really become a, a great adventure. Um, well, that's that. Possibilities. Yeah, no, and that's what we talk about. I mean, if you look at divorce overall or breakup overall of um, all the new opportunities and possibilities you've gained instead of the one relationship that you have lost, I feel like we're all going to be in a better place quicker, right? If we really focus on that. And, and it is exciting. I'm not going to lie. It was exciting. Sure, it is exciting. single, going on dates. I've never been on a date in my life. I've been married since the Clinton administration. So, Well, how, how exciting was it for you, you know, even besides going on dates with, with new people and talking to new people, how exciting was it for you to do what you were interested in doing? Not what your kids were interested in, not what your ex-husband was interested in doing, to do something that, that lit you up. That was probably pretty exciting too, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was monumental for me. And I think, you know, that sounds exaggeratory, but it was true. We just don't, we don't take me time. We lose, we lose our identities. We become someone's mom, someone's wife, someone's dad, someone's boss, someone's, you know, son-in-law, whatever. And we don't remember barely who we are. And so having the opportunity to reconnect with yourself and have all that kind of opportunity and do something that you really love is amazing. I mean, you know, having a startup is not all great. It never is. Any kind of business you have, I'm sure coaching is not all amazing either all the time. But if you overall really enjoy what you do, you never work in a day in your life and you get up every day and you feel grateful, right? Which is another big part 
of totally. life's journey. Totally, totally spot on. So, so as a so as a life and business coach. So let's say I like me. Obviously, when you first met me, I was freshly divorced. Mm-hmm. I had no skills. I was told I was unemployable. I had no idea what I wanted to do. <coughs> Um, I started Dreams Recycled and um, people come to me all the time and they go, what, but how did you do this? Like, and, I, and as a business coach and life coach, how would you tell people to go about you know, setting up a business or doing what they want? Like this is, a, this is the opportunity they have now, obviously. So what would, what would your advice be to these people? I think that's, that's the importance of finding your passion first. So we get stuck in this trap and it's, we're conditioned and constantly if you're growing up, uh, kind of going through life saying, you know, how can I make money? Uh, what's a viable career option? Which to me is just like reeks of just boredom and just like, mm-hmm. God, you know, I don't want you know, just how can I make money? Like you're going to sell your soul. Just to make money, that's, that's in, to do something you hate doing for most of your life, just to make money. That's, that's right. the definition of insanity to me. Yeah. So the, the question here is, what are you passionate about? Let's discover purpose. And okay. let's work backwards from doing that. So a lot of people get overwhelmed. They say, I don't know how to start a business. Great. You don't need all the resources. You don't need to know everything. But it is about taking and putting one step in front of the other. Just one mm-hmm. step. Don't overwhelm yourself with what you're going to be doing a year from now. Don't overwhelm yourself with every little detail. Focus on one step at a time. And we do this by, uh, the way I work, is defining what the big picture is. And really getting out there, really thinking about everything. What do you want? How much money do you want to be making? Who do you want to be serving? How do you want to be doing it? How many visitors do you want to your website? Are you going to be blogging? Are you going to be doing, um, any, are you going to be doing live workshops? Whatever that is. Paint that picture. Paint it vividly. Let's get clear on it. And let's work backwards in building a strategy on how to get there. All the way down to, to one week. And let's take that first step. Right. Take that first step. Let's do the next step. You don't. People said you're not you're not employable. You don't have any skills. True. So passion- <laughs> well, they they said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, what are you passionate about? Maybe you love something, but you're not good at it yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And notice, I say yet. Correct. Every everything is learnable. Mm-hmm. Everything is learnable. So if you're not good at something yet. See, part of purpose is what are you passionate about? And then one of the other questions is, is what are you good at? And a lot of people go, well, I love this thing, but I'm not good at it. I, I, love, um, I, I love doing website design, but I'm not good at it. Or I love the concept of it. I'm, you know, I could be passionate about that, but I'm not good. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's get good at it. So it, they say it takes five to seven key skills to be extraordinary at something. So what five wow. to seven key skills do you need? Be not just good. But to be really extraordinary at this, and let's do it. And and these days, you can learn anything anywhere. Give me a break. I don't. That's have, what I say. What is people's excuses nowadays? You have that little laziness. thing called the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. You can find everything. I mean, I literally self-taught myself everything I knew needed to know. And as you said at the beginning, I definitely wasn't good at it. I made some horrible choices. I probably took down the whole internet at one point, maybe. <laughs> But, but I've think, been there too. Yeah, uh, but but you figure it out, and I think I think the other thing that's interesting about you, and I'm going to put you on the spot now for people who don't know Travis Barton. He's an amazing life and business coach, but he lives an extraordinary life, in my opinion. 
because he does what he loves to do, which is helping people. And he does it from all over the world. He travels all over the world. He surfs, he plays music. He has an amazing life that he created for himself, which is not just a life in a cubicle in an office. It's combining everything he really loves and the lifestyle he wanted to lead. Uh, and, and in that way, he's not just similar to me, which is when I created my business, I don't get to surf and play guitar and go all over the world. But I did create a business that worked for me, having three small children that I have to, you know, kind of finagle into this life too. And I think that's a really important thing to remember that when you're, you know, finding your passion or starting a business, you have to look at what kind of lifestyle that will actually create for you and if that fits into your vision of what you actually want. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, and I think that's, that's the key element there is doing something that you love. And let's be honest. Okay. If you're doing something you love uh, and something that works for you, it, it's going to be very easy to, to be consistent at it and to do it. And what's the mm-hmm. recipe for success? And usually it's consistency. You read any book on success ever. And I'll tell you one word, consistency. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be consistent if you're passionate on it. Right. And it's easy mm-hmm. to learn how to be good at something if you're, if you're passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't think when I started that, you know, I just, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew I was passionate about it. I knew that this was my purpose and I didn't know how to do any of it. And I worked backwards. So I said, okay, I'm going to be an extraordinary coach. So I learned how to be an extraordinary coach. Okay. Well, um, now I, I'm an extraordinary coach, but I don't really have a lot of clients. So I learned, I learned how to be extraordinary at marketing and, and right. running a business and, and everything's learnable. And and mm-hmm. everything you learn something on youtube you find the mentors they're all out there at your fingertips you can do it yeah there really there really isn't an excuse and then i'm also going to throw into now into this part of the conversation about dreaming big i have this like pet peeve when i talk to people and they say you know i want to do this and, and it's such on a very very small scale and i'm constantly reminding people who come to me for business advice i want to know how i started my business and i say it's just as much work to do something small or something big. And, um, you know, your coaching business, I believe, is nationwide or worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. Worldwide. And uh, my company is worldwide. It's just as much work for you and I to do this on this scale than it would be if you sat in an office on a street in a cubicle coaching people one-on-one or me helping divorcees one-on-one. Well, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I think when you put it that way, I think it's actually more work to do it that like I don't know to have an office and to do it like I don't know <laughs> it is, yeah but yeah, I know it's yeah, you're in an office Travis no but. oh my god man yeah I work with clients just outside earlier working with clients you're like man what are you doing? it's all sunny out where I live I'm yeah just, this is it man this is no you have an amazing life this is you know one of the things about you that's very interesting to me I think you're somebody that not only talks talk but you walk the walk mm-hmm. and it's very evident in everything I see out there. Um, that you put out there on social media and marketing. And I think you're very clever at what you do. And I really appreciate you coming today. And, uh, and so I have to ask you, because I asked all my guests, what was your worst dating story? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> you put me on the spot. I know. No names. You don't have to say names. Okay. Because you like to oh, commiserate with other My first dating story was, had to, I have a lot. Narrow <laughs> <laughs> it down to a couple. Okay, let's just do this one. Uh, okay, I was using Tinder for a while. Tinder? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and 
Oh no. So I was talking to somebody and we had agreed, actually was doing a workshop uh, mm-hmm. somewhere. And then after the, you know, I was like, I'm busy, you know, I don't really have time. She goes, well, we'll meet up after the workshop. And I said, great, you know, let's, um, let's go out and have a beer, like just a beer and go right. hang out. Right? Yeah. You think that's um, pretty safe, right? Just a beer, <laughs> just a coffee. You know, like, you can escape. Yeah. And so I can't believe I'm telling you the story. So she, sh- she showed up. And she had a friend with her. And I was like, wow, why'd you bring your friend? I'm, I'm so naive. And I'm going, why, why would you bring your friend with you on a, on a date? And I'm going, so I'm drinking. And then I'm drinking with her. We're kind of talking and we're hanging out. And her friend is very quiet. I'm like, why would you even, you know? And I'm kind of, and her friend keeps buying us all drinks. How odd. But it turns, it turns out that she was bringing her friend so we can all have a, an experience. Oh, and, and it got real, real weird. And I just kind of went, Hey, this isn't my thing. You know, Hey, it's nice to meet you. And she, she flipped, she flipped out. Like she, oh. flipped. she flipped when I left and I'm just going, Oh my God, this is never again. Tinder. I love never that. Again. I love that. Have you never been back on Tinder's like great for uh, entertainment purposes? No, <coughs> is it? Of that. I don't know. I'm not on there, but I have previously looked at it many years ago. It was it, it was interesting. Well, it was. I mean, this is kind of apropos to our conversation. I mean, I was engaged in going out of my comfort zone, yeah. this girl, and going having a beer. And guess what? I learned something. I learned that I don't, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the very least, I have a good story to tell. So you do have a good story to tell. Yeah, That's up yeah. there. We're kind of keeping track unofficially. You may be like second or third spot. Ooh, no one, no one can beat me. I had a man bring me leg spreaders on a first date. No one can top that yet. What? Yeah. Oh yes, my it's God. in my book. You have to read the book. It's pretty scary. Well, I did. I did have a. I did have a scary one. Well, that's a real quick one. But I, somebody left a note on my car once, and they never knew where I lived. Or well, they, I guess they found out, and so I found a note on my car, and it was um, pretty terrifying. So uh, luckily, I never got a second note. But I, I kept my uh, windows locked for a number of months after that <laughs> one. Yeah. It really yeah. is quite scary. I mean, and obviously, all joking aside, we advocate very safe dating. If you do oh, online sure. date, do it in public, do yeah. it in daylight, yeah. have a get- getaway plan. Sure. Yeah. I was talking to a dating coach this morning, Amanda. You know, it's okay to leave. It's okay to leave if you don't feel right, if there's something wrong. Or it's okay to ask somebody to walk you to your car who works at the bar, or restaurant, or coffee shop. If you really think there's something wrong, stay. Absolutely. Safe. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed by doing that. I mean, the guy, the guy's a creep. He deserves to know he's a creep. Yeah. Hey, I, I, need, I want somebody to walk me in my car. I don't feel comfortable. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty scary out there. But, but on the flip side, I have to keep reminding people who come to Dreams Recycle, there are good people out there. Oh. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the bad ones make good stories, but the good ones are out there. And, and you got to be willing to kind of sift through some, some kind of mediocre, mediocrity or, or maybe even one or two bad guys. But, you, you know, you keep yeah. going. Or 400. You can just oh, skip to 400. 400. You need to write a book about that. I would buy that in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, some of them are in my book I wrote, My Dreams Recycled. But um, I didn't put them all in there. Probably some of them for legal reasons. I probably should not put in that. <laughs> change the names and it's all good yeah no so good so um travis can you tell us where our listeners can find you 
Oh my God. Everywhere. Uh, TravisBartonLife.com. I'm uh, all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Trav Barton. And I'm on Snapchat too. So you find me. On, on Snapchat. Are you on Travis Barton Snapchat? My Snapchat is, is, you know, what is my Travis? Well, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We will put it all. We will put all Travis's information where you can contact him, his website, his social media, and his Snapchat. Right, just not um, my address, so I don't get a yeah, yeah, no, it's address, no stuff. Right. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, we'll put that all on our uh, webpage on dreamsrecycle.com, and also it'll be uh, his his website will be under our um, our podcast, our uh, iTunes information when it goes to iTunes. But we thank you so much for coming here today. Much love, thank you. <laughs> And uh, thank you to all our Dreams Recycled listeners. And we will be back next week with more interesting people who can help us all live better lives recycled.